Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast today, the Old Path Bible Study. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. We're here in my office gathered around God's Word. I would encourage you to get your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be doing part 6 today in this 12th chapter of Hebrews, and I know the Lord is going to literally put His truth in our hearts Himself, and He's going to write the truths of his word on the tablets of our mind. That's how faithful he is to put in what needs to be in and replace it with his truth, replace it and take out the things that don't need to be there. Hallelujah. We need more of him on our minds and in our hearts than we do everything else that's there. Hallelujah. We had great meetings this weekend with Brother Lauren Larson. And the word was rich and the moving of the Holy Spirit upon the hearts of the people was very uh, tender and very sweet and, and, and very rich. And I'm thankful for the word, uh, all the, the different aspects of God's word that he poured into our hearts this weekend, much needed. I'm thankful for Brother Larson and all the years that he's been coming to Crossway Church and blessing us with the truth of the gospel of God's word. And uh, we're just so uh, encouraged and blessed and and informed and, and, and uh, 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 reminded of things that we need to desperately know. And I'm thankful for all that God did and is still doing. And uh, we're just going to have a great time today in the Lord. Turn, if you will, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's get into this. A half hour is not very long at all. And uh, so let's look at verse 5 this morning. And this is, again, part 6 of Hebrews chapter 12 on this 14th day of November in 2022. And it's cold outside here in Texas, 40-something degrees. That's cold for us Texans. And and uh, and it's going to rain uh, here in a little bit all the way up into the night. So it's going to be like a winter night here or a wintry day. And so uh, thank God for all of it. He knows what he's doing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look here now in verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 12. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children, which says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Now I want to read this what we just read in a different translation so that you could understand a little more clearly. We're not changing anything, but other translations sometimes help us to see exactly what it is we're being told here. So let me read this to you. And verse 5, really more clearly understood by us is when we hear it like this. And you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. See, it didn't change anything. It just helped us in our today's language understand what's really being said here in verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation, the encouraging word which says to you, as unto the children of God, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Now, 
We've already been told in verse 3 what God's answer is for either escaping a place of having fainted in our minds or to avoid fainting in our minds. And it is to consider the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did to endure all the contradiction of sinners against himself. See, it's always our our issues in life that we have, if we don't take them back to Jesus and what he did for us through his suffering and the shedding of his blood, the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ unto death, then we'll go through this life even as the children of God, with so much more turmoil than we should have ever had. We'll go through this life and we'll suffer because of ignorance instead of true biblical suffering. Uh, Because of the right faith, we'll suffer because of the wrong uh, faith or the lack of knowledge. No matter how that lack of knowledge is there, whether I just don't know or whether I've heard and I say, nah, I'll try it another way. It don't matter if we don't take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ unto his death, his contradiction of sinners against himself. If we don't take everything to Christ and his cross, my friend, it's taking you somewhere over and over and over that you don't want to go and that you'll never find a way. I don't care how many tears you cry and how many hours you beg God and pray. If you can't hear him guiding you back to the place where you must consider the Lord Jesus Christ and the contradiction of sinners, that being you and all your sin against him, even back then, then you're just going to stay in your sinking boat. You're going to keep failing. You're going to keep begging. You're going to keep crying to no avail. Somebody will keep coming along, making you feel good for a little bit, and then you'll be right back with the plug being moved out of that hole in your boat again. Uh, we, we've got to get past that, my friends. We've got to understand that the Lord comes along and he, he encourages us with corrective words, words of rebuke and reproof. And, 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 and we've forgotten that God, the Bible here says, and, and verse 5, it's very important that you know this. The Bible says, and you have forgotten. This is like, I'm not changing the subject here. This is, and you have forgotten. So let's back up a little bit and see what was before the and. Verse 1 is you got to see where you are, what you're surrounded by. Number 2, verse 2, you got to be looking at the author and the finisher of your faith and what he did on Calvary's cross, why he did it, what he did it for. You've got to be looking at that. Christianity, you better get away from your thoughts of Christianity being just something going on in the subconscious of your mind. How can you consider the one if it's not consciously in your mind? How can you bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ if you're not conscious of your need to, conscious of what Christianity has nothing to do with subconscious and anything going on 
yes, things do happen beyond our, our awareness of them, but Christianity takes a conscious state of some things you're realizing, you're knowing, and you're trusting in. And when things happen, you know where to go. You know where to take your mind, to, to girt the loins of your mind, the Bible calls it, Peter. The loins of your mind. that You know, the loins on your physical body are your hips that carry you when you walk. The loins of your mind is the movement of your mind to where it needs to be so that you won't faint and you can keep running the race that was set before you. Hallelujah. And and so number three, verse three, you've got to consider him. This is not this is not something that just automatically happens whether you're seeing and looking and considering or not. This this is something that takes your participation. And now let's move down as we did at the end of the, the last session. And you've got to highlight this in your Bible. You've got to let the Lord put this in your heart. You've got to ask Him for a greater understanding of this. Because all of this that we are reading and that we're going to be getting into about the chastening of the Lord is for one purpose. It's one purpose. Look at verse 10. For they verily, talking about our earthly fathers, chastened us for a few days after their own pleasure, but God, he, God, does it for our profit. What's our profit? It tells us right here, this is so amazing. This tells us what our profit is, P-R-O-F-I-T, what our increase, where our increase, what our profit is, watch this, uh, that we might be partakers, experience his holiness, partakers of his holiness. Now, we will get into this more when we work our way down to verse 10, but just for a golden nugget today, This partaking of God's holiness is an absolute impossibility unless there is a partaking of, Romans 6 teaches, a yielding to that which which made us servants of righteousness, which is that form of doctrine that freed us from sin and made us servants of righteousness, which was what doctrine? the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. If my faith is not consciously in the sacrifice of Christ, him dying for me for the pardon of my sins and him representing me so well that the Bible says I died with him, I was crucified with him. See, I got to believe both of those. He pardoned me by... Him all alone dying for my sins, but he took my old man there, crucified him, buried him, put him out of the way so that I could rise with him and live in him. Come on now. If I don't know that, then there is absolutely no way for me to experience the partaking of his holiness. It does not just happen. Romans 6 teaches there must be a yielding to that same thing moment by moment. 
that made us a servant of righteousness so that we can serve God by serving righteousness. And Romans 6, 19 through 22, two times, the Bible there tells us that the avenue of holiness is righteousness. Righteousness is the only thing that is unto holiness. And without the cross of Christ being the conscious object of my faith, looking, seeing, looking, considering, not something going on that I'm just not, uh-uh, that's no, that's, that will never, that's why the church is in such a state. That's why preachers, uh, they don't know this. That's why they think they can get up and just preach all sorts of messages without tying it to the, I'm not talking about mentioning the cross, mentioning the redemption. I'm talking about everything in scripture is tied to Jesus and his work at the cross or it cannot be tied, intertwined into our heart. It will just be head knowledge. The only way God imparts, uh, applies the truths of his word to our hearts is by the blood. Hallelujah. He speaks from heaven better things through the sprinkling. Come on now, Hebrews 12, 24 and 25. Don't refuse him that speaks from heaven. And right before that, in verse 24, he said that he's speaking through the blood of Jesus. The voice of God speaks through the sacrifice of Christ. Preachers don't know that. And most don't want to accept that because it takes their control away and gives the control to the Lord. Amen. It allows the Lord to build his church and removes their box of tools. I know what I'm talking about. I've got scripture. I've got scripture. I've got scripture. Hallelujah. So watch this now. Let's read verse 10 again. You've got to have this highlighted before we move back up where we were. Our fathers chastened us after their own pleasure that we might grow up and honor them as fathers, honor them and don't mess up their good name, Okay. But God chastens us for, for our profit. Why? We're, how do we profit? By partaking of his holiness. And let me say this this morning, that the child of God is either being purged, pruned, or, and, and, and that is because of the increase of fruit, maturity. So when you're being purged, you're being pruned, you, you're, you're, it's because you're bearing fruit. And the Lord wants you to bear more fruit and much fruit. That's, that's purging. That's Chastening is, is training in a disciplinary manner. You, you look the word chastening up, you'll see training as a child. You'll see discipline. You'll probably even see the word punishment. There's some punishment in there. And, and we'll look a little bit more into that. But they're, they're both for the end result being partakers of the holiness of our God, which we are told to be holy. 
because he's holy and we're his children that should have his look, his appearance in the fruit we're bearing being that of holiness. So I want you to think about these things. Whether we're being purged, pruned, it's for more fruit so we can partake more of his holiness. The, the chastening is for correction as unto a child, discipline as unto a child, some degree of punishment. I know a lot of preachers don't like using that word, but it's in there to some degree when you look this up. And, it's, and it's, it's an encouraging, it's a training in a disciplinary manner. Don't think for a minute that God doesn't discipline his people. Rebuke, repute, reprove, discipline his people. L- look at this scripture in, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, that says, He that spares his rod hates his son, but he that loves him chastens him be times. He, let, let's go back there. Uh, uh, Proverbs 13 and 24. Let's go back there and look at that today because God's telling the fathers of this earth exactly what to do to represent him and what he does to his children. Come on now. Let's see if we can find this. Hmm. He that spares his rod, Proverbs 13, 24, hates his son. Remember what we're being told in Hebrews, those that God accepts his children, he draws near and he chastens them. Why? Because he loves them. We'll see it again when we get back to Hebrews. Because he loves us. He goes as far as to tell us in Hebrews there, we'll read it, that those who aren't being chastened by him are not his. They are not his. Are you being chastened? Are you being trained to the Lord? Are you being disciplined when you go the wrong way? Are you, are, are you correctable? Or is God able to correct you? Because what we'll see in that 12th chapter, tied with other scriptures in the Word of God, it's always, always to get you back focused on Jesus and what he did at Calvary. It's not so much as to get you back to stop doing that, to stop doing that, that's sinful, as it is to get you back to the place where the power of that in your experience is broken so that you won't have to keep doing that. It's to get you back to the place where you can partake of his holiness, just like you did in the moment you were born again. See, that's why the Lord rebukes, corrects, and encourages, chastens some of those in the book of Revelation to return to their first love. Our first love is where we received everything we would ever need. And when we think we got to work for it, in these subtle, deceptive, deceitful ways that our thoughts trick us into, then we will find the Lord there, if we're His, chastening us, training us, pointing us back to the place we're supposed to be seeing, looking, 
and considering. Amen? But look at this in verse 24 of Proverbs 13. He that spares his rod, God won't spare his rod. God don't spare his rod. God going to pull his rod out on his children now. I'm not talking about some ugly way. It's all for training. It's all in an encouraging manner. He, he's not going to carry you out there and, and put you in the freeway and, and, and cause you to be dodging semi-trucks for, for, for some disciplinary matter. No, but he is going to put you through the fire. He, you, you are going to be tested and when you're going the wrong way and the object of your faith is no longer simply and exclusively the death of Jesus, he's going to try to wake you up and get you back to that place because it's the only place you can partake of God's holiness. Any other thought process than going back to the cross is us thinking that, well, if I'll just stop this, then I can, or if I'll, if I'll do this. No, it ain't about what you're doing. It's about what you're believing. And you got to go back to where you started believing because that's where God saw you believing right, so right that he gave you everything you'd ever need for the journey. Made you everything you would need to be for the journey. Hallelujah, this is good stuff. You, you, the condition of your life, Christian, is always based on what you're doing with your position. Your experience today in your condition is going to exclusively be based on what you're doing by faith in your position what God did to position you in Christ to give you all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, to, to do all that he did for you, to make you all that he made you in Christ, to, to give you all that he gave you in Christ. Your condition today, every moment of this day, is going to hinder on what you're doing with your position. By faith, hallelujah. Glory be to God. So watch this. He that spares his rod hates his son. That's why God doesn't spare the rod with those that are his sons and daughters because he loves us. God loves us. That means he's going to chasten us. He's going to bring the rod. Watch this. But he that loves him chastens him betimes. And that word means promptly. That God's not going to wait around if we're doing something wrong. The Lord's going, he's going to show up because when we're doing wrong, it's because we're believing wrong and he always comes to correct and, and train us in an encouraging manner, yet it's training and it's corrective and, and, and it's rebukes and we better be listening. It has nothing to do with the tone of a preacher. Because you got to see beyond the tone of a preacher. You've got to hear the truth of your God. You, you, when, when, you, when you say that, well, I, I can't, he, he's just too hard. But can you hear your God through that in spite of how soft or how boisterous their voice may be? Get away from looking at the style of a preacher or a grandmother or a father or mother. See the Lord through them pointing you back to the cross. Hallelujah. But this word, be times, it means, it really means early. 
He, he, God's not going to wait around. He, he's not going to spare the rod. He's not going to wait around to see if you'll get it right someday. That's not how God works. He wrote quickly to the churches that were getting off track or who had already gotten off track. He didn't wait till the end of the church age to get something written. And then God sees us getting off track. He sends someone to us. He sent his word to you. The, the days we're living in right now, all these preachers of righteousness focused on the cross of Christ, they are God's instruments of righteousness right now. They are God is using them to knock on the door of millions and millions of hearts all over the world. But it'll take the message of the cross for the not to be of God. It'll take the message of the cross and God's word because, see, it's not about doing what the Bible says. It's about, it's about seeing properly, looking at the proper one and considering him. It's always about believing right. Then the doing right comes. I've said this for many years and it's just a reality. I'm going to live the way I live because I think the way I think. And I'm going to think the way I think because I believe the way I believe. If I'm not living right, it's because I'm not thinking right. If I'm not thinking right, it's because I'm not believing right. And I got a God that won't spare the rod. He'll bring the rod. He'll bring it promptly. He'll bring it early. And he will attempt to, 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 to through correction, I don't know. I can't tell you what God specifically will cause or he will do. But what he does for those he loves is to get them back to the place of partaking of his holiness. Hallelujah. Not about, uh, yeah, we got to get them back wearing long sleeves. We got to get them back without all that makeup. We got, no, we got to get them back to Calvary for their we were made servants of righteousness. There we yield to that form of doctrine that made us a servant of righteousness. As, listen very carefully, as we are yielded moment by moment, not in moments that we're not conscious of it, moment by moment while we are yielded to that form of doctrine that made us a servant of righteousness, we are found serving that righteousness unto the holiness of God. We only in that process there and there alone are we eating, are we partaking, are we bearing forth the fruits of righteousness that is unto holiness. My goodness, this is good. And it's sound. And it's laid up for the righteous. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So let's get back over to Hebrews. And let's see this, that in verse 5, God is telling us that we have forgotten. You've forgotten. Because he says, and you've forgotten. That means we're not really seeing what we're surrounded by. We're not aware of what we're surrounded by as the children of God. Apparently, we're not looking at the one that we should be looking at. And 
what he did that we should be looking at. Apparently, we're not considering what we should be considering. We're all wrapped up in all these other considerations, and we're striving for everything but the faith of the gospel, and therefore, we're, 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 we're trying to resist this and resist that, and we're reminded in verse 4, but you're not the ones that resisted unto blood and you never have. Striving against sin. You see, sin is the issue. Sin is man's issue. The cross is the answer. Let me say it this way. Sin is the only problem in the world. Everything you might put a title or a name on stems from sin. The only problem in the world is sin. And God's only answer is the cross. It's your way out of the bondage of sin, and it's your only way of the avoidance of being bound in sin. It is the cross. It is nothing else. Anything else you name is you and I with a works mindset instead of a grace mindset. Amen. So, Verse 5 says, and you have forgotten the encouraging of your heavenly Father as unto you his children that says to us, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. And that word despise means to have little regard for, to have little regard for. Most Christians, I'd be willing to say today, they have been born again, but they're not even recognizing the chastening of the Lord because the message of the cross is not being preached. And where you're not hearing that, where you're not hearing that, and that is not the focus of all your spiritual matters, then your focus is on what you're doing that's wrong and you're trying to find a way out of it. Even if you say you know the cross is the answer, if that's not where your faith is being applied, you're not going to be able to recognize. The world in its lost state knows they commit sins. The church is very well aware, even more so, that we commit sins. And God doesn't condemn us, but our hearts condemn us. Most Christians live in some sort of state of oppression because their hearts are grieving them because when the Holy Spirit is grieved with me, I am going to be grieved myself. And he's grieved when my faith is not in the sacrifice. That's what grieves the Holy Spirit. You say, no, he's grieved when I commit a sin. The sin was already committed before you actually went and carried it out because you weren't trusting, already you weren't trusting in what could have avoided that, what could have kept you by the power of God from that. My goodness, can you believe we've already gone over time? We'll have to be back here. Thursday morning, please join us. Let's come on. Let's continue together in this great 12th chapter. There is meat on the table here. God has spread out such a blessing in this 12th chapter. I don't want you 
or myself to miss what he has for us. We'll never get it all, but what we will get is him writing it in our hearts and on the tablets of our minds. So join me again Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time right here, right where we are now. Let's take off there again. I pray God's richest blessings be upon you. I pray he touch your physical body and your mind, your soul, your spirit, your body, everything about you today, that this will be the day that you experience the touch of the power of God upon all that pertains to you. He is able. He is very able. And I believe today is going to be a powerful day for those of you who just simply believe the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. We love you. If you are stirred by the Lord to help us here to give to Him through this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. We love you. I'll see you Thursday morning. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.